Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about the Upper Room, please visit newroom.org. finished before I do, you're welcome to leave. You know, I've been studying uh, the book of Acts, and uh, it's been, if you've been doing, how many of you have been doing the 135, or at least some form of it? Raise your hand. Awesome. For those of you who are new, we're the upper room, we've been studying the scriptures, uh, 135, one proverb a day, three psalms a day, and then five chapters from the New Testament uh, every day. Those five chapters we repeat uh, for a month, and so you just... You're getting those same five chapters over and over. And there was a season in my life where I did uh, Hebrews 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 every day for actually more than a month. It was many months. And uh, I, encourage you, uh, I encourage you to do that. I'm going to paint a picture tonight um, from, from these texts. So the colors I'm going to use are from Hebrews 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, but I don't have time to, to teach this text. It's, it's a lot. How many of you have read Hebrews and you're like, you get overwhelmed? Yeah, it's a, it's a deep book. Um, but just a, a life a Bible hack for you. Um, I'm not a super bright guy. I'm not super uh, just, you know, whatever. I'm a simple guy and I like it that way. So when I find things in the Bible that kind of help, like Cliff's Notes. I was a Cliff's Notes guy. Anyone? Cliff's Notes? <laughs> That's like I'm showing my age here. The millennials are looking at me like I'm a millennial too. I'm just on the top end. Right, Patrick? <laughs> so Hebrews 8 says this. It says, one, it says, now the point in what we are saying is this. Well, I read that and I said, well, man, he's just about to summarize one through seven right there. So you can start in eight and be good. Okay, so that's for those of you who want to take shortcuts, you can start in eight. Um, so this, this, this text is super uh, incredible. I'm going to read. Uh, can can y'all be patient with me tonight? How many of you are enjoying the Word? Like your time in the yeah. Word, you're falling in love with the Word of God. Isn't it amazing? Um, if you're not in the Word, I just encourage you. It's not a, a thing, but it's, it is life. It is bread. Uh, there's, there's nothing that's brought more power and certainty in my life through knowing Jesus through the Word of God. Um, and what I want to do tonight, I want to talk about covenant. I'm going to talk about covenant. Um, and covenant's really, really important. I know in the Bible you have the old covenant, the new covenant. Um, but covenant's just God's word for relationship. It's God's way of, 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 of defining a, a God type of relationship. And, and we live in a day and age where uh, relationships uh, are, are governed by all sorts of ways depending on the person. Are you with me? Like relationships have rules based on uh, the person, the people that are in it, right? So one, one couple has like, they have their thing that they do and another couple has their thing that they do. But God says, okay, I, have, uh, I wanna have relationship with mankind. And in the old covenant, he established rules for his relationship with his people. He had to define the relationship with Moses, a DTR. You with me? I, I got you guys now. He had a, God had a DTR with his people, okay? And he wanted to define the relationship. And to do so, he, he actually, with his finger, he etched laws on stone. And he gave them to Moses on the mountain. Are you with me? And those laws began to define the parameters 
that, that God and Israel would relate to one another. Are you with me? That was the old covenant. That was the old relationship. That was the, the old way of relating to God. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to connect some dots here, and I want you to write this down if you brought a pen or your iPhone, um, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this, but I want to say it out first. The reason why covenant's important is because it will directly impact your conscience. So covenant, you can write that down. Covenant impacts your conscience. Your conscience. You know what I mean when your conscience means that, that, that the seat of, of, of your heart, that thing in your heart that if, if I think Michael Malden is mad at me because he, he uh, gave me $5,000 on a loan and I haven't paid him back, my conscience is going to be defiled with Michael because I owe him something and I think he's mad at me. Are you with me? Because there's a debt there. So, so the, the parameters of that relationship hinged upon a loan, money that he gave me and that he was expecting for me to pay it back. So when I wasn't able to pay it back, my conscience got defiled and I said, man, I bet he's mad at me, so now I start avoiding Malden. I don't go to the upper room because I know he's going to be there, and I start creating distance between me and Michael Malden. Can anyone relate to this type of thing? So in the Old Covenant, it was, it was just like that. The, the people of Israel, their conscience would get defiled when they did one of the things that was written on the stones that they, that they knew God didn't want them to do. Are you with me? It made them feel... They, they're like, oh, man, that's, God doesn't like that because he actually wrote it in stone that he doesn't like that and that thou shalt not do that. <laughs> Are you with me? And so covenant, your understanding or, or the covenant that you live under, like if you're walking with God, you, you are relating to God in some, you have some understanding of covenant. Now, which covenant? I don't know. Because there's a lot of confusion about covenant in the body of Christ. I talk to a lot of people and there's confusion. We're not all living under the new covenant. We're not. We're just not. Because many of us have a hard time connecting with God, drawing close to God. Are you with me? That's not shame. I grew up for 20 years of my life and I, I consistently thought he was upset with me. You with me? And thanks for doing that. I was actually going to share, because you almost stood up. I saw that. That was good. I was at the Potter's house last weekend. Anyone been to the Potter's house? Bishop Jake's. Incredible what the Lord's doing there. Uh, my goal tonight is to get someone to stand up. <laughs> Amen. I, I found myself. He, he said something. Here's what he said. I was sitting there, and you know, it's, I'm maybe 10 white guys there, and I was one of them. <laughs> And it's awesome. If you've never been, go. It's an incredible, he is an amazing man of God, I'm telling you. Like, what the Spirit's doing there is so powerful. But he, he was preaching, he was talking about impact, and he goes, and for six days, God says, it is good to something that wasn't finished. And boy, I shot up out of my chair. I said, what am I doing? And it just felt right. It just felt so right. It was like, man, you just... Like you just, sometimes you just got to stand up and your body responds to the word of God, you know? It felt strangely authentic and I, maybe I wasn't, but it just, I enjoyed it. So if you feel the urge, just go for it, okay? Just make me feel good, okay? Come on, come on. It's church, it should be fun. This is, the, this is God's living room, amen? 
We should have, a, we should have fun tonight. Amen? So, so, so covenant will impact your conscience. Now, here's, here's the important thing about your conscience. Your conscience will impact the depth of your connection with God. Covenant impacts conscience, but your conscience will determine the depth of intimacy you have with God. It's true. Your conscience, if it's clean, if it's perfect, will allow you to 24 by 7 enjoy fellowship and intimacy with your Father. Why does that matter? Because connection and intimacy with the Father is the place where every single new covenant blessing and promise is fulfilled. Is in nearness to God. And that connection that we have with our Father has been, has been purchased for us by Jesus. So every, every fruit of new covenant living comes from being from having your head upon his chest. It doesn't mean your behavior is perfect. It means your conscience is perfect. It doesn't mean your behavior is perfect. It means that your conscience, that the core of who you are is confident because of the blood. And then from that place of connection where your head's upon his chest and you know you can have that, that, like, that, that face-to-face, like I'm made for the center of your love, and you're just there, every single fruit that you've been longing for in your life comes from that place. Everything. It's, it's his design. That's the design of the new covenant. Isn't that amazing? And so what happens is, is many of us, though, we have an old covenant understanding of the gospel. We, we, we've, we've, it's gotten twisted. It's got, we've gotten confused. And what I mean by that is our conscience is actually we haven't been taught to persist in faith according to the blood because we relate to God on what we do instead of what he's done. Our conscience is it ebbs and flows. Like when we're at the upper room and singing, I'm in the center of your love, we feel clean. We feel good because faith, we can see Jesus. We can see his love for us. And then what happens is sometimes we leave this place and, and we get sluggish. We get tired because we don't know how to stand in this new covenant. We're not, we're not confident in our covenant with God. And so we may have a sin habit, we may, we may get short with our spouse, we may have something going on in our life, and when that thing happens, our conscience is defiled, and we pull away from God, and we say, man, I'm going to wait till I get to the upper room again, or maybe a prayer set, and then I'll be good again. And what happens is, is, is inadvertently, we make the blood of Jesus like the blood of bulls and goats. And it's, and it's so sad. It's so sad because we keep, we're, we're, we're treating the blood of the Son of God no different than the blood of an animal in an, under an inferior covenant. Come on. Come on. So good. 
do know you wanted to do it. So that's what I'm going to talk about tonight, okay? It's in the Bible. I want to read this, though, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7. I feel this is a prophetic word for our house, and, and please hear my heart. He says this. He says, For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, uh, it is worthless and near to being cursed. And its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things. What's happening at the upper room, God's spirit is being poured out on this house in a unique way. And it's not just this house. It's happening across, across the nation, across the metroplex. It's, this isn't like we, we don't have the corner of the market on revival. Amen? Um, God's he's big and amazing, and he's having his way across the earth. Um, but what's happening, my, my, not a fear, but I, I wanted to just share this. The Holy Spirit that's being poured out, it's intended to produce a crop in you that you become a blessing for someone else. That's what it says in the Word. It says the rain, the land, your heart is the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated. You exist for someone else. Like, the fruit of, of, of your intimacy, come on, baby. I'm preaching your language. If I get Malden to stand up, I mean, I'm just tables, just mic drop. We go home. But, but you know what I'm saying? The fruit of your intimacy with God is, is, is that someone else is reconciled unto the Father. You're being cultivated for the blessing of this city, of your family, of your business. You're, God's cultivating you. He's pouring rain upon you so that crops come out and the people around you eat your fruit and go, Wow, I want the God that's living in you. And that person receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. Skip down to verse uh, 11. He says this, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. Look at this. So that you may not be sluggish. There's no more time for sluggish Christianity. But imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. It's through faith and patience that you inherit the promises of God. Listen, I've been married for 10 years. And I, I think there's so many connections between a marriage covenant and, and, and having children and the gospel. We dedicated, there were 30 babies dedicated this morning at Upper Room. I think, or more. It was amazing. And, and in, in Malachi 2.15, it talks about that, that God was seeking, God made the man and woman one, and he put a portion of his spirit in with them. And it says this, what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So, so God's always looking for offspring to come from intimacy. And, and I have four kids, and there was many kids up here. And you know what, that, you know what those kids tell you? Those kids tell you something. 
There, there's a certainty that we can all know about when there's a kid on the earth. A certainty. We know that that man and that woman have been intimate. There's no arguing it. You can't. That's why the Bible says that wisdom's justified by her children. Come on. Wisdom's justified by, by her children. Are you intimate with God? Oh, I'll see it. Show me your kids. Show me your kids. Let me see your kids and I'll tell you who you're intimate with. I'm telling you. This, it doesn't lie. It doesn't, it's an immutable truth. It doesn't lie. I can tell you where your heart's been, what you've been communing with by looking at your kids. And my heart for us as an upper room is, is that we all see and collectively understand that the purpose of the blood of Jesus, it's the strength of the new covenant. I want to just make it really simple. The reason why I'm not just like going line by line is because it's a lot. This text is a lot. And so it's in here though. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some of it. But, but my purpose tonight is to bring your heart to the altar of God. And that in a fresh way, maybe tonight we would say, God, I, I'm coming on the basis of your blood and your blood alone. And here's what I'm asking. I'm asking for your fire. I'm convinced we have to have the fire of God. Can you put that quote up there, Josh? I'm reading a book uh, by a guy named Samuel Chadwick called The Way of Pentecost. Anyone read it? Look, listen to this. He says, our God is a consuming fire. It's from Hebrews. The elect symbol of his presence is the fire unkindled of earth. It means you can't make it here on earth. And the chosen sign of his approval is the sacred flame. Covenant and sacrifice, sanctuary and dispensation were sanctified and approved by the descent of fire. The God that answers by fire, he is God. That is the final and universal test of deity. Jesus Christ came to bring fire upon the earth. The symbol of Christianity is not a cross, but a tongue of fire. Listen. Come on, Heath. Let yourself go. You just got to let yourself go. Listen. There was a reason for the blood. The blood had a purpose attached to it. And what we've done in, the, in, in, in Western Christianity is we have said, man, the cross is it and so we keep going back to the cross as the focal point and we treat it like the old covenant system when we keep revolving around the cross from guilt to shame to forgiveness from guilt to shame to forgiveness and no one ever promised us that we could live in dominion and power and freedom from sin and we could live completely free from the effects of the fall of man how from from right here from his chest from, from a place of intimacy. Because listen, your behavior, the fruit of your life, will be transformed when you're right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, you can't stay the same and put your head on the bosom of God and be staring into his eyes of fire. You can't stay the same. And you can't be claiming the promises of God and say you're a son of God and, and, and not be changed into his likeness. It just doesn't happen. Come on. 
It's impossible to be in the presence of an all-consuming fire and not be consumed by that fire. Are you with me? And so my, my heart tonight is, is that we see in the word the purpose of the blood and that your confidence, you, you would leave this place. Like, like I've been married June 2nd, 2007. I stood on an altar and my bride walked down. And man, she was beautiful and it was so good. And we got married. The guy pronounced us married and Mr. and Mrs. Peter Lewis. And it was so good. You can kiss your bride. And that happened on that day. And we had a certificate from the state of Texas and you know what? I have not once in 10 years doubted that I'm married to my wife. I wake up every morning, I'm like, I'm, I'm married. The covenant is secure. But so many of you, you wake up and you're wondering of your standing with God. And I'm like, how can it be? How can you not be sure that you are one, that you've entered into covenant? It's it's because the gospel we heard didn't put us in covenant. It was a transactional business meeting between the Father and the Son, and they threw us a token blessing called eternal life. And if you prayed the right prayer, you got that blessing, you got that token thrown your way, and God says, no, 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 no. I gave you myself. Genesis 2. I, I was naked and unashamed. I, I, I gave myself to you before you like this was mankind's like seeing the son of god hang naked on the cross that was his proposal to mankind that was the father saying getting down on one knee in humility saying will you marry me this is the best i've got and he's going look and if you want in if you want into my family if you want into this covenant because you've been cut off by sin You've been cut off by, 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 by sin. Like, I can't, God couldn't have what he always wanted because of sin. Do you understand that? He wanted intimacy. From beginning to end, God has pursued us. Like, like we fell from the glory in the garden. We fell from intimacy. We fell from the family of God. The common Romans wrote, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's wonderful, but for the love, let's tell people what the glory is they fell from. Are you guys with me? The glory that we fell from was God's family. We were in his family. We were naked and unashamed. And, and the blessing of the gospel is you can be naked and unashamed again. But, but the way in, guys, the way in isn't the fundamental acknowledge these five points and you get thrown a blessing called forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That's not the way in. The way in is bloody. The way in is exchange. The way in costs you everything. It costs you your life. When I got married to my wife, it wasn't this like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds, seems like a good idea. Let's do it, yeah, let's get hitched. It, it costs you, some, some people, I mean, we were, we were in love, like, we, we, we didn't really know what we were saying yes to, but God's funny like that, you know, he just kind of hooks you in, you know, like, whoops, what, what did we do here? We got, well, now we can't go anywhere, like, we're stuck in this thing, but then it was beautiful because you die. How many of you know covenant leads to death? All the old people, Amen. <laughs> It's so true. In marriage, the first to die wins. But if you die through the gospel, you wouldn't have to die. Come on. Hebrews 9 says, For just as it is appointed for man to die once, 
And after that comes judgment, so too Christ is returning a second time, not in reference to sin, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Do you know it was appointed for you to die only once? Only one time. You don't get to die twice. You either die with Christ and then you're going to live forever, or you die apart from Christ. I've died already. Nailed right there to that cross, buried with him in baptism, and raised to newness of life. Never going to die again. It's true. You know, death may come knocking on the physical door of my body, and I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm going to go see my king now. Like, it doesn't have dominion. The sting of death is gone. We're not to be afraid of death. You understand that death could come to your door but for the Christian it's like oh hi how you doing I have dominion over you thanks thanks for ushering me to see my master face to face come on what if we were a, what if we were fearless it would mean that we were made perfect in love it would mean that we're understanding the gospel and we're living it out and our conscience is clear and perfect and confident amen Oh man, I haven't even gotten to Hebrews. That's okay. Oh Lord. So I had a, I'm going to share this because well, I'm just, I'm here. Um, so the other couple weeks, I guess it was a month ago now, um, Christy and I got in a fight. Because I want you to see how this relates to your everyday life. Uh, we're going to talk about marriage. There's a lot of, uh, uh, marriage is hard. <coughs> Just like finding the words. Marriage is hard. It, 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 it can be hard. Um, and nothing will form Christ in you more than marriage or, or just close relationships. And this doesn't exclude anybody. It's like any covenant relationship. If you're walking in covenant relationship with people, even friends, it's hard. And, and, and you get to become like Christ every day. And that's not just a pithy, nice statement. That's a reality. It's a reality. And in my marriage, this happened. It was a, probably a month or so ago. We, Christy and I got into a fight. It was our first one ever. <laughs> and um, I know Mark is amazing. I know you've never seen that. Uh, ten years in, it was our first one. And Christy said something to me, and it hurt my feelings big time. Like, cut me deep. And I was right. Like, I was, you know, how many times have you heard that, guys? I really was. This time I was right. <clears throat> And, uh, and so, and, and I was hurt all day and like, it was one of those things where like, we have kids, so like, you, you're in the same room often, you, but you're just like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to deal with you right now. You know, like you just kind of put the wall up. Am I the only one that does that? You just put the wall up and be like, I'm going to be mad at you and I'm going to withhold my affection to let you know I'm mad at you and that what you did was wrong. I'm going to punish you relationally because what you did was wrong. Okay. That was where I was at. And I know I'm the only one that's done that in here, but that's what I was doing. And, and finally, though, I got, what did you say? It's first time. First time, yeah. I'm being sanctified in the truth. So I got to the evening, and I want you to see how this plays out, because I've spent eight, nine years of my life trying to understand the new covenant I have with my father. Like, I spend time in the scriptures wanting to, the word of God to solidify that open heavens that this Bible says we have. It's not like overnight, like, oh, wow, I'm super confident in the love of God. 
Oh, I listened to the, the, the upper room worship thing on YouTube, 11 minutes, I feel good. <laughs> My conscience is clear. It's like, I, I, just to be very clear, like I, the fruit of this is like long periods of time in this. It just is. I, I was gonna mention this earlier. Do you know that Paul held a five hour Bible study for two years? Every day? Seriously, in the hall of Tyrannus, look it up in Acts. It says he reasoned daily from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. in the hall of Tyrannus. And then it says this at the end. It's in Acts, I think, 19 somewhere, or 20. He says, and all of Asia heard the word of God. <laughs> Dude was holding five-hour Bible studies every day. Every day for two years. And we wonder, we're like, how come we don't see the fruit of the early church? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not, listen, I'm just, I, I read the word like that. Look at this. Look at that. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. You think maybe we just like put our big boy pants on and like let's maybe yeah. just dive in. I, I get it. We're busy. But like this doesn't just happen overnight. That's my point. Amen. It'll take time. And, and I realize it's a sacrifice. It, it is. It takes a sacrifice. And people say, well, I don't have time. We'll make time. It's important. You're, this is this eternity's at stake. Don't say you don't have time. That's a common like you do have time. You just don't value it above the things you're valuing. I don't know how to be. I don't mince words. I don't like that. I don't think that's good. I don't know how to be different than I am. And that's how the Father is with me. And you know what? Listen to me. Listen to all the. I'm going to say the young people, including myself. The best thing about being a son of God and in covenant is that he can rebuke you and discipline you and you don't, you're not afraid he's mad at you. Listen, it's the best. The rebuke of the father is the best. His discipline, if people say, well, he doesn't discipline me, then, he's, then I don't know whose you are. Come on. It says he disciplines those he loves. If you're not disciplined, you're illegitimate, you're not a son. Hebrews 12. I'm not making this stuff up. It's in there. I'm not a super bright guy. I'm like so simple. I read it and I'm like, oh, that's the word of God. I'm going to believe it. And people are like, wow, it's amazing. It's like, yeah, it's just, just receive the word of God. It's dynamite. Now listen, so the father rebukes me a month ago. I'm sitting in there and I'm like, okay, my wife and I, we're in this, we're in this argument and it was, she had said something and I was right and so I presented myself, my case to the Lord, and I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm just angry with her. And I really was hurt. You have to understand, I know we're laughing, but I was, it was, it was hurtful. I was hurt in my heart. Like, I was like, I told the Lord, I was like, Lord, my feelings are hurt. And I'm like a slow emotional processor, so it takes me time. The fact that I could that quickly acknowledge that my feelings were hurt means they were really hurt. And I told him that, and I said, my, Lord, my feelings are really hurt. And I... I and I was, I was feeling, uh, I don't know what I was feeling, but I, I wanted somehow for God to like say, yes, you're right. That's what I wanted, honestly. I wanted him to be like, you're, you're right. Like, and you know what he said to me? Man, I'll never, you know this is God. He, he just so gently, and, and again, from this place of covenant, I was confident to come to him and hear something that would actually change my circumstance. That's why I'm sharing this with you. This stuff that I'm saying is not ethereal. 
I, I literally put my, got close to him and I needed a word from heaven that was beyond my intellect and, and ability to reason in a place of being emotionally hurt. Because when you're emotionally hurt, it's hard to reason. You, you just think crazy. You think crazy thoughts. You know? And I was thinking crazy, just crazy. And I just said, Lord, my feelings are hurt. And, and I sat there and, and I waited for probably three minutes and he didn't say anything. And then all of a sudden, he just said, he said so gently but straight, he said, son, he said, do you want to be right or do you want to be like me? And I like, I did the same, I just sat there and I was like, I, I just instantly, I knew what he was doing. He was saying, look, do you want to be right? Because you're right. That's what he was saying. You can be right. And let's, let's play that out. You can be right and now you can be justified in withholding your affection from your wife. You can be right about that. You can be justified in withholding your affection because you're right. What she did hurt you, and that's right. You can, that's. And then she's wrong. If I'm right, that means she's wrong, and she's condemned for being wrong. And now what do you do? Now you put distance between you and her because she's condemned. She's wrong. You're now, you're now relating to her based on what she did and not who I am. But what he did, my father is so smart. He's so loving. He said, do you want to be right or do you want to be like me? Do you know what happened in that moment? He appealed to my God-given desire to be like him. He knew I wanted to be like him more than I wanted to be right. And I believe that about every one of you that are born again. You actually want to be like God more than you want to be right. And, and it was like, I, I, I can't explain to you what happened. I, I knew what he was then saying was, listen, will, will, you, will you forgive her as I forgave you? Because love keeps no record of wrong. You said, well, it's got to keep a little record. <laughs> Hold on, you laugh. You laugh, but, but do you understand it says no record? So there's mercy, and then there's tender mercy. Mercy's like, I forgive you. I forgive you. No, really, I forgive you. <clears throat> tender mercy and love is like it never happened. Literally. It's like you have to open your heart so wide open as if it didn't just get stabbed by a word that really hurt. And in that moment that you choose, and here, here can I just say something? Because some of you, I, I heard your thoughts. You go, I can't do that. That's impossible. You're right. You can't. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And when your head, when your covenant with your father is established, and you can put your head on his chest, and in those moments of intensity, warfare, challenge, chaos, you can stick your head right there, and you can listen those words, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So when you hear the word of God, I took a little baby step of faith and said, my step of faith in becoming like him is I'm going to go embrace my wife and kiss her and show her by my kindness that I actually have forgotten that it's happened. And when I did that, it was like the spirit of God came and the grace of God came and just took away the sting and the pain of what she said. It did. And you said, well, I, you know, how do you... 
Listen, I don't, all I know is that we have permission to love like he loves. People, people will tell you to be careful when you start loving like he loves. They will. If you start loving your spouse and those around you like God loves you, people will warn you to protect yourself, to guard yourself. And I, listen, I don't want to pretend to know like I have all the answers. I get there's some stuff that's nuanced and, and potentially complicated in what I'm saying. So you have to hear from the Lord. All I'm saying is that, that we have permission to love like he loves. That's what, I'll leave it like that. You have permission to love like he loves. And the only way you can do that is if you know you're loved that way. Because the way you think God treats you is the way you're going to treat others. If God is disappointed at you because you didn't have your quiet time at 7 a.m., then you will be disappointed with your spouse because they didn't do what you expected them to do. I'm, I'm so, th this is life and death. Marriages are at stake over this very thing. Relationships are at stake because we don't understand the gospel. This is no, this is no small thing. I'm telling you, biblically, the love of God never fails. The love of God doesn't fail. There's a love that doesn't fail. I'm telling you, I, I've seen it, I've tasted it. It's a love so strong, it literally doesn't know how to fail. It doesn't. It, it's never once failed, and it's God's love, and you have access to it. And it's through intimacy, it's through covenant, it's through the blood. Amen? I, I, really, I really encourage you to read Hebrews 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Um, and I want you to notice something. When it references the word perfect, it says this a lot. It says the law could never make perfect. That's why there was need for a second covenant. The law couldn't make, the law couldn't make perfect. And I, I read that a long time, and I thought it was like it couldn't make us perfect. But he's, he's actually saying, uh, if you look in, uh, I'll just, you don't have to go there, but... He says in Hebrews 9, 9, he says, according to this arrangement, the old covenant, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. So, so that old system of like where you try to do enough for God to where you feel right before God, you actually can't do enough. That system cannot touch your conscience. It can only touch what you do. You can make up for what you do on the outside. That's what the blood of bulls and goats for. It forgave what you did in the body, but it didn't cleanse your conscience within. So they, they, had, they just had a perpetual guilty conscience. Anyone relate? Don't raise your hand. So the purpose of the blood of Jesus was not just for what you did, but for your, the inside that you would feel inside so super clean that you would know you're, you're just as righteous as the Son of God Himself as a gift. And do you know the boldness that that produces in the heart of man when you receive the gift of the blood and the gift of righteousness? It produces a holy boldness. It's impossible not to be bold and receive that gift. Because then you, you now feel confident to walk into God's throne room into the holy of holies the real one and look at him face to face and go here i am 
And my behavior's not perfect, but I'm coming in on the blood because the blood's enough for you. The blood's enough for God, so it should be enough for us. Amen? And so there, there's this, this, this wrestle with, we, we constantly look at what we're doing in the body, but God actually cleansed what was wrong with the inside. And that's what allows us to draw super close in love to Him. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information about the Upper Room, please visit Europe.org.